Podmoth. Welcome to the Ugly Radio, Season 2, Episode 7, The Maw, written by Kendall Ueji, performed by Shane Regan. As I approached the maw, I sneered, this is what the world is afraid of? This little cave? It seemed like something a school child would snicker and boast about, daring others to enter, finding nothing but bat droppings and unspoiled moss. But here we were, surrounded by soldiers with guns and bombs of all sorts. It made them feel safe. Our guide, a bearded man named Amon, gave us the rundown. After three years of comprehensive failures, the government has given up sending scientists, soldiers, and explorers into the Maw to never return, so they've resorted to us. Idiots. That's what he wanted to say with his weary expression, but instead he said, Volunteers. He showed us a picture of the Maw divided into three layers, kind of like how the sea is divided, but this was vertical and you knew what was in the deepest layers of the ocean. I knew what he was going to say because I've been studying the Maw for years. Ever since the government decided to make the discovery public, this place is attached to my memory like a parasite. This is all I could ever think about, this mysterious great beyond, a place where divinity is morphed into reality. I've thought about it so much, I've become numb to everything else in this world. Nothing made me feel anymore. Only this. Only here. Maybe in here, I can feel something. Iman explained that the first section is called the mouth, wide and relatively harmless. This is where everything makes sense. A boring cave for adventurous children. Light still poured in through the entrance until you cross some invisible threshold where all light gets gobbled up in the throat. The passage tightens. Laws of physics start to become suggestions. Things float inexplicably. Monsters of unknown origin roam and slaughter without reason or congruity. Light, even from flashlights or fire or glow sticks, becomes inconsistent like the wind. Scientists suggest it's another dimension entirely, but they don't know. Everything they try to take from the throat disintegrates. People that stay in the throat for too long go missing or go mad. Or as they called it, crossing the instability threshold. Then there is the belly. They manage to outline this barrier in chalk. Nobody ever comes back from the belly. The greatest mystery of the universe. 
Step one foot in there and you are never coming back as if you were eaten by the earth herself. It made my skin tingle. What emotion triggered this response, I could not say. But my best guess would be to say it was a hint of glee. This was promising. We were asked if we had any questions. None of us did because we knew there were no answers. We were told Amon would escort us to a base in the back of the throat called Outpost 5. There we would be helping with research for three months, collecting rock samples, studying them, searching fruitlessly for unknowable answers. The five volunteers, who seemed like they had come from all over the world, prepared themselves as if they were going through a hike in the woods. As Amon led us through the mouth, the volunteers talked about what they thought the Maw was. An alien spacecraft, a view into the fifth dimension, a portal to the future? One man, a priest from Brazil, said that it was the pathway to hell, like in Dante's Inferno and that he was here to purify it. One woman, a blogger from America, said she didn't believe the Maw was real. It was the government lying to cover up experiments they'd been hiding. She was ready to prove it a conspiracy to her followers back home. I didn't know the truth, but I knew they were wrong. We crossed the threshold from the mouth to the throat. I could feel it. It was hard to explain. Like how your senses change when you take a hallucinogen. Our flashlights would sporadically flicker. Rocks would float and fall as if in space. Even the light from the flaming torch Amon carried seemed to fade as if something was sucking the life out of it. Amon suggested we extinguish all light and get our eyes adjusted to the darkness. We heard sounds you would only hear in your imaginations. Sounds that didn't make sense. Trying to describe them would be like trying to describe a color you've never seen. A clicking, tromping, thrashing, crunchy squish. Gentle yet sad. Eager yet depressed. It seemed to permeate our skulls. We all stayed in a line, and as our eyes corrected, we saw it. This is something I could describe. It was a giant jelly bean except it was gray and wrinkled and naked. Two endless pits by the top stood in for eyes. It waddled toward us like a child wanting to play. Amon told us not to move. These creatures were unkillable, so we had no weapons. The American blogger got out her phone, even though electronics don't work in the throat, and attempted to record the creature. The jellybean waddled toward her, she approached it and pocked its belly, testing for a suit. Iman's face was not one of concern nor of pity, as a hole opened up where a mouth should be and the American blogger's head vanished. It must have been sucked in, probably. I didn't see. The jelly bean hugged the corpse of the woman like a child hugging a mother, and Iman warned everyone not to interfere with the creatures here. The way they kill is unknown. But they kill. An older Thai man bolted out of the throat. His resolve was weak. What did he think was going to happen? We heard his footsteps echo in the cave, 
until we didn't. As if the man had fallen into the abyss or flew into the heavens. Maybe he was smart to escape when he did, but I doubt he escaped at all. Amon also told us being alone was a death sentence. I chuckled in my mind. As Amon ordered us to continue, and as the Brazilian priest said a prayer, I tried to look into the jelly bean's eyes for any glimpse of understanding. In those endless, hollow gaps, all I saw was loneliness, disturbingly familiar. We arrived at Outpost 5. It was like a Lego house, where the Legos were concrete blocks and the people were stuck in their positions, made to endlessly toil at a child's game, where they knew not the rules and knew not the end. A Ukrainian woman got out a sketch pad and began to draw the jelly bean monster. She could not do justice to the oddity of the creature. I could tell it frustrated her. We spent the next few weeks collecting rock and moss samples and avoiding the creatures in the throat. Took journal notes. Worked with scientists that were already on the verge of some instability threshold. They seemed so numb. How could they be so numb when there were such fascinating creatures around us? Some looked like long-limbed monkeys combined with a hippopotamus head and a snail body. Others with legs like mops and torsos like crabs and heads like zigzagging balloons. Others like demons straight from medieval paintings. The priests tried to baptize one. We found his remains a few days later. It looked like he had gone through a pasta roller. Amon warned us to never look at them directly and they will ignore you. Every time I saw one, it stared at me, as if longing for something. Always sad, beckoning me to be killed by them. As if they were desperate in a way. Or starving. Or jealous. Or... It all seemed unknowable. I came here to find something to make me feel. But we were nearing the end of the three months, and with only the two volunteers left and nothing spectacular had occurred, it was relatively boring. It was the worst thing it possibly could be. I tried to convince Amon to take us to the belly, just on the edge, to see if I could peek at some sliver of truth, but he refused. That's how he stayed alive for so long, by not going near it. That's how he became numb to it. I managed to convince the artist to come with me. She wanted inspiration for her pictures. I told her what better inspiration could there be we approached the chalk threshold to the belly and threw a glow stick over. Nothing but cave. Nothing immaculate. We waved our flashlights when they worked. Nothing but glimpses of rock and stone that taunted us with their mundanity. We threw pebbles into the belly. Nothing but inadequate echoes. Unacceptable to come all this way to find such utter disappointment in this divinity. It felt so wrong. The Ukrainian wanted to go back. I could never go back, to return to life after this. It was like returning to Earth after reaching heaven, like returning to your office job after Disneyland. I stepped over the line. The protests of the others had no weight in my ears. I was propelled determined to glimpse the truth, determined to be embraced by the maw in all its glory, determined to feel something, 
I thought I had failed as I walked into the cave. Nothing astonishing occurred. Even when my eyes adjusted, pure darkness overcame me. Walking forward, I imagined walking off a cliff, or into a wall, or spikes, or straight into a monster's teeth. I must have gotten turned around, for I spotted the artist by a glow stick in the distance. She had shrunk. Did she go into the belly as well? When she saw me, she dropped her sketchbook. Her face. What a face she made. Contorted and twisted like roots of a tree. As I approached, a feeling came over me. What a feeling. I have never felt something like this before. Not in fear. Not in love. In longing. I embraced her in a hug. I would have cried, but I could not feel my eyes. I looked down at the blood. My hands were three scythe-like claws. Her body was in pieces, her sketchbook drenched in blood. I knelt and clung to the scraps of the body like a dog mourning his owner. This feeling, embrace, this is what I had been searching for. To feel something so greatly, finally. I was home. Excuse me, Lori. Oh, Mr. Brackett, I'm sorry, Mr. Brackett. Oh, I didn't mean to startle you. That's all right. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled one good scare, though. Yes, sir. Nice you, sir.
rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? and is a part of the Pod Moth Network. Tonight's episode was produced by Andrew Shanks. Tonight's segments were The Maw, written by Kendall Uagi, performed by Shane Regan, featuring original music by Claudio. Tonight's music guest was Zara, with Tack, title song provided by Unknown Citizen. Comments, send questions and requests to theuglyradio at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This episode could not happen without Patreon members and supporters. To become a Patreon member, visit patreon.com slash theuglyradio. And give a listen to our other podcasts on the Podmoth Network. Podmoth is a tirelessly curated collection of weird, odd, and macabre podcasts perfect for this special season. Thank you for listening, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you in the void. fellow true crime aficionados we are the host of bad axe podcast i'm danielle and i'm aaron join us every thursday for twisted true crime tales bad deeds and the supernatural we've covered family annihilators cold-blooded baby daddies cannibals and even people who blame zombies ghosts and voodoo for their bad axe bad axe 
If you like fresh stories and new perspectives on crime, Bad Axe will be your new jam. Stay safe out there, you big baddies, and bye bye. Bye bye. In tales of legend, there are stories of heroes who stand for the good of the people, fight back the dark forces that defile the land, and bring peace to the world. Crackle, have you been cursed by a hag? Yeah, yeah my friends let me get stabbed while I'm sleeping. Can you help me? <laughs> and then there's these assholes. Gods don't exist. Yeah. This kid's It was meant to be. Okay. Okay. At dinner table, we don't talk about religion, okay? Oh, that has never stopped you before. <laughs> Every Thursday. I'm sorry, you're going to let Craggle have a flaming sword in one hand and a singing sword in the other? Have you thought this Listen, through? Listen, I asked as a courtesy. I don't need <laughs> any of y'all's no. fucking permission. <laughs> Listen as a group of absolute maniacs try and save the world. There aren't mimics here. <laughs> yes, there are. We released oh we released nine hundred mimics into the forest. You know what? That's a great point. You know what? That's fair. You just unleash an invasive species into this forest. Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh man. These are the adventures of Save the D Eight. We've done over a hundred hours of this podcast, and we still managed to have dumber conversations every week. <laughs>